We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to a, well, we'll call this a bonus Wednesday solo um, mini pod version, mini pod ish version of Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for tuning in. Uh, yeah, I'm going to roll solo today and I'm going to tell you what, I got two specific things that I want to discuss today. And again, this won't be a particularly long episode. So yeah, two things. Number one, uh, Joe Biscaglia from The Athletic unveiled his annual, because he's been doing it now for a couple of years, his annual Buffalo Bills mock offseason Everything from player cuts to restructures to free agent tenders to unrestricted free agents to to the draft. And I thought it was very fascinating. Joe, of course, is he's as good as anybody out there. When it comes to covering the Buffalo Bills, I've been a big fan of Joe's for a very long time. So I was looking forward to his article dropping on The Athletic. And I'm going to talk about it and, and give a couple thoughts of my own. And then I wanted to spend just a couple minutes talking about what went down this week with Calvin Ridley being suspended from the NFL for a full season, losing over $11 million in salary. A lot of fans have, including many of you listening, I'm sure, have very strong reactions to it. A lot of people out there think that maybe the uh, the punishment didn't necessarily fit the crime, that there's players out there who have gotten away with far worse and gotten less suspensions. I have some thoughts on that as well. So again, solo today won't be long. And today's only audio, by the way, which is funny because I've been doing a lot of YouTube stuff of late, at least recording in video, not necessarily always putting up the full episode on YouTube, which by the way, if you haven't subscribed, we have a Talking Buffalo podcast YouTube channel. Please go on and hit that up, subscribe, like all that stuff. But anyway, I've been putting up clips, if not full episodes, but today I'm just doing an audio uh, version of this podcast solo. And it's kind of funny. I was thinking as I was doing it, I'm like, with the video now, there's just so much more to set up between getting the lights on, the camera right, and all this other stuff. And audio, it's like, all right, turn the mixer on and basically hit record and go. And it's 
funny because it didn't, it never felt so easy to me when I was doing it before, but now it does with no video. But anyway, again, going back to the athletic and Joe's article, which by the way, uh, I am going to this, I guess my thoughts in my outline today, kind of, um, they highlight spoilers. Let me say this, by the way, if you have not subscribed to the athletic, they got a ridiculous special going right now. It's like a dollar a month. I mean, come on, man. But anyway, I am going to reveal the moves that Joe made in his article. I will save some of his own personal analysis for you to go and read because you absolutely should read the article and all the stuff that, that Joe puts out again, it's second to none. But anyway, I, I want to get started with that right away and I'll kind of keep it in structure and order just like he done or he did, I should say in his article. And it begins with player cuts. He's got four guys. These are players that are currently under contract for the Buffalo bills that, uh, that the team should move on from before free agency, not pay cuts, not restructures, just guys to cut. There's four of them. He's cutting. And again, this is Joe playing armchair GM. He's been doing this for a full year or full, a couple of years. I will get it right. And, uh, it's just fascinating stuff to me. Anyway, AJ Klein is first. Um, he's got a $5.6 million cap hit and uh, dead cap money is only 400,000. So that's it's pretty self-explanatory and a pretty obvious move. And by the way, I should have added, I think Joe had the bills starting his exercise at like four point something over the salary cap. But on WGR, Brandon Bean spoke on GR on a Tuesday morning. And I believe that number was actually a little bit higher. So I'm not going to necessarily get into all the cap space that the bills will have for each move. I'm just going to kind of outline who Joe thinks should stay and go and kind of like what deals he's given them and money saved and so on and so forth. But I won't keep a running total of the salary cap kind of like Joe did in his article. So AJ Klein would be gone. Again, you're saving about 5.2 million. That's kind of a no brainer. None of these four cuts really are surprises. Um, next up, he's got the Bills parting ways with offensive guard John Feliciano. I think uh, he's got a 1.5 million um, dead cap hit, but they would save about like 3.3 million or something like that. John Feliciano, he, he's not a starter anymore. So he would be a very expensive backup. I also think John Feliciano, I mean, he hasn't said anything publicly suggesting that he's been cut but I do believe that he knows that his time with the Bills is coming to an end. You got Bates, you got Daryl Williams, Cody Ford may or may not be in the mix right now, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see Feliciano staying either. So another semi-obvious move. And speaking of obvious moves here, he's got punter Matt Hawk getting caught. Um, it's not even so much about money as it is about performance, but that said, according to Joe's article, they would be able to save 1.2 million. So you add the money that the Bills are saving by cutting them, plus the on-field football performance, and this might be the single biggest no-brainer for the Bills this entire offseason. A lot of us thought he should be cut last year, but Brandon Bean explained it, that he's, he had a role on this team, if nothing else, as a, a holder. He's a good holder for kicks for Tyler Bass, and you didn't want to disrupt that flow, that chemistry, near the end of the season going into the playoffs. So I understand why they kept him on the roster through the season, despite him being really, really bad. But now it's the off season and uh, I think he's a goner for sure. Last one, maybe it wasn't so cut and dry 
not long ago, but I kind of feel like it is now, and that's Cole Beasley. Joe has the Bills parting ways with Cole Beasley. Now it's been reported over the last handful of days that Cole Beasley has been granted permission to, to seek a trade. And while this hasn't been confirmed, it's widely speculated that in all likelihood, the Bills probably went to Cole Beasley and offered him uh, a contract at a lower number, a pay cut, something to reduce his, his cap for this year because this is the last year of his contract. And presumably, Cole Beasley does not have interest in doing that. So instead, they're going to let him try to pursue a trade. And if the Bills can get something for him, fantastic. And if they can't, well, then they, they, they let him walk. They let him leave. They cut him. Um, I'm not sure. You know, this doesn't surprise me. I'll say this. Um, I'm not sure that Cole Beasley really, and this is me saying this. This is not sourced. This is just my opinion. I feel like Cole Beasley probably wants out of Buffalo and not because of football reasons. It's not because I don't think he likes the offense. It's certainly not because he doesn't like playing with Josh Allen. I mean, there might be a little bit of football involved. I do feel like at times, and he was hurt banged up and that, and that does matter. But I think there were times where maybe he was a little bit fate or maybe he felt a little phased out of this offense. You know, the emergence of Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie played very well late. I mean, Cole Beasley had moments, but the consistency, even though the numbers were kind of on par with what he did a year ago. But anyway, uh, I have a feeling between that. And then of course the off field stuff, which I'm not going to get into in detail much right now. We, are, we all know how he feels about COVID in New York State and all the, the stuff that went on. I also think he was a little bit butthurt, thinking that a lot of fans were booing him at games, which, you know, as we learned, really wasn't true. I mean, there was a small smattering of fans out there who came to uh, dislike Cole Beasley because of his takes on COVID. But for the most part, fans were very supportive of him. And I'm, I'm, maybe he didn't appreciate that fully. I don't know. but. Bottom line is this, whether the Bills cut him because they don't want to pay him or whether Cole Beasley just doesn't want to be here, whether it's a trade or a release, uh, I think Cole Beasley is done. And by the way, no small factor in all this. If the Bills were to cut him, that's $6.1 million saved. So to recap, Joe's uh, his first section with players cut. You got Klein, Feliciano, Matt Hawk, and Cole Beasley. Moving on, he wants to. Uh, restructure four guys. This will create some salary cap space. And he starts with, well, the quarterback, Josh Allen. And Joe's restructure is converting uh, $3.1 million of his signing bonus or his salary, I should say, for next year, this coming year into a signing bonus. Um, long story short, and again, read Joe's analysis on all of it, but by doing it the way Joe suggests in his article, the Bills can open up about $2.5 million of extra cap space for 2022. Um, the next guy, which I actually found really interesting, is Star Lutudele. Um, he's, he's 32 years old. He's got a $9.23 million salary cap right now, cap it. But if he gets cut, long story short, again, the, the savings are, are minimal, especially, uh, well, if it's a post-June 1st cut, the savings could be more significant this year, but then that money 
um, get spread out. But Joe kind of suggests that the team negotiates uh, a $1.75 million pay cut, but guarantees the rest of his salary. So he'll still be making a little bit north of $5 million for this season. And that would be um, guaranteed money. So Joe thinks, and again, I respect Joe's opinion as much as I respect anybody's. Joe still thinks that Star Latutile has value to this football team, but just not at the cap figure that he's going to have for this season. I think that is a uh, topic that is open for debate. I think that you can make a case that Star Latutile isn't um, as reliable as you want him to be. I mean, you got the COVID stuff. You got a couple injuries he had last year. Again, he is 32 years old. Brandon Bean did make a point during his postseason uh, presser, that one that went for like 71 million or 71 minutes, not million. Um, he, he alluded to the fact that he thought COVID really slowed down Star Latule and he was playing well before that. So I'm not going to put it like out of the realm of possibility that the Bills keep him around and negotiate some kind of either pay cut or restructure or something that'll lower his cap hit. I just, I, I found that interesting. Um, a third guy, Daryl Williams. Of course, Daryl Williams right now, current starting right guard. Um, Joe talks about in the article how, you know, he was all right this year, but he's only one year removed from 2020 when he was awesome. The guy could play guard, he could play tackle. Um, but his salary is a lot of money this year. And, and the Bills, the Bills got to do something to to lower that. And Joe's suggestion is that maybe a $2 million pay cut in exchange for the Bills guaranteeing his salary for the entire season. I think it's a move that makes sense. I'm not looking to get rid of Daryl Williams. I've heard a lot of people talking about trading Daryl Williams, a lot of fan speculation, some you know bloggers, some podcasters out there have mentioned trades for Daryl Williams. I like to know who's going to take on that contract and who's going to not only take on the contract, but give uh, compensation back for the Bills. I'll see that happening. I think finding a way to keep Darrell Williams here is the best move. Again, he can play guard. He's at least adequate at tackle. I think he's a valuable piece to the line, not to mention a starter. So if you can find a way to keep him and lower his number, you do. And that's what Joe did in his piece here. And then last but not least is the center, Mitch Morris, who played really, really good last year. I thought Mitch Morris was one of the Biggest bright spots on the team, quite frankly, last year because he was hurt in, in 2020 and kind of inconsistent. He like he like sort of got benched, even though technically he didn't in 2020. I thought he was really good this year, and uh, he's got he's got a very big cap hit on on the roster for this year, like 11.25 million. Um. He has. Let me see what Joe has here because this is important. Joe's so much better at it than I do. Joe suggests that the bills are basically going to convert around 4 million of his base salary into a signing bonus. And then at a voyage here. And again, I'm not going to get into all the specifics. Joe's just so good at breaking it down. Make sure you go read it. Um, but basically what it does is give the bills an extra of roughly like 2 million in salary cap space for 2022. So there you go. There's four guys there to restructure. Josh Allen, Starla Tutele, Daryl Williams, Mitch Morris. Um, they got a couple restricted free agents. Joe suggests 
that they tender one, Ryan Bates, very obvious, and that they don't for Justin's uh, defensive tackle, Justin Zimmer. Bates is a very obvious one. Um, 2.5 million, that's what it'll cost to tender him. That's pretty much going to lock him in for 2022 as the Bills, the probably starting left guard. Unless the team goes out and really, really overpays for him in restricted free agency. Um, as far as Zimmer goes, and Joe alluded to this, man, 2.5 million for a guy who's rehabbing a torn ACL, probably not going to happen. So I agree with that fully. All right. So then he goes on to, uh, well, one other note too. He says to allow the other uh, penning free agents to to test the open market. And and there's a lot of them. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll run them off real quick for you listening. Trubisky, Brita, Taiwan Jones, Emmanuel Sanders, McKenzie, Jake Kummerow, Mike Bacher, Bobby Hart, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Effie Obata, Ryan Cox Jr., Harrison Phillips, Justin Zimmer, Vernon Butler, and Levi Wallace. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We take a real quick break. I'm going to come back, and then I'm going to talk about the free agents that the Bills will retain, according to Joe. And then he's got uh, some unrestricted free agents from other teams that he wants to sign. He's got a half dozen of them, actually. So quick break. I'll come back. We'll talk about that. And again, I do have a couple thoughts on Calvin Ridley as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All 
All right, I'm back and I am breaking down Joe Biscaglia's excellent 2022 Buffalo Bills mock offseason feature article that he just dropped on The Athletic this past week. So we're at free agents of the Buffalo Bills that Joe has resigning. Ultimately, there's going to be four of them. Uh, we'll start with Harrison Phillips, defensive tackle, and Joe's got him getting roughly $16.2 million over three years. Structure of the contract, market value, all that stuff. Again, read the article. I keep saying it over and over again. Read the article. And obviously, I will link it in the show notes if you haven't seen it already. But yeah, I mean, look, if you get Harrison Phillips back three years, 16.2 million, you got to do it. The guy was playing his best football of his career far and away at the end of last season. Um, he took that starting spot from Star Latutale, did not give it back, played very well. I think this is and should be the Bills' top priority when it comes to their own guys, their own unrestricted free agents, guys that you want to bring back. So. Harrison Phillips is back. Ryan Bates will be back. And we already tendered him. Well, I shouldn't say we. Joe already tendered him. But now Joe's going to go out and he thinks that the Bills can resign him for two years, $6.5 million. Um, perfectly good with that. Starting quality left guard, relatively cheap. I mean, that's not overly expensive. And again, contract details, I'll leave for his article. Third guy. This one, I'm sure, will bring up uh, plenty of discussion. I, I was, quite frankly, a little surprised to see it, but Joe has the Bills re-signing defensive end Jerry Hughes to a one-year, $3.5 million contract. Now, three, one-year, $3.5 million, contractually, financially, I love it. That's a great deal. Jerry Hughes is still a pretty good football player. I mean, the sacks aren't there. A lot of the uh, advanced numbers. Are there, though? Quarterback pressures, win rate, all that stuff that, quite frankly, I don't know a lot about. But trust me when I tell you, every time I would try to say on social media, well, Jerry Hughes had two sacks this year. A lot of people smarter than me would point out a lot of statistics that suggest that Jerry Hughes plays much, much, much better than what actual quarterback sacks, uh, what those numbers suggest. What what does interest me or, or, or yeah, it does interest me. I think if the Bills do resign Jerry Hughes, and I, I will give you one spoiler alert here when Joe gets to his own free or other free agents around the league. If you resign Jerry Hughes, you're pretty much saying we're set at defensive end for 2022. If you resign Jerry Hughes, you already used your first two picks last year on Gregory Rousseau and Boogie Basham. You certainly expect more out of them in year two. And they had their moments as rookies. You expect improvement. Then you got Jerry Hughes. That's already three. And I think it's still, you got to give AJ Epinesa another year before you, you cart him off as a guy, a second round pick who just didn't work out. So you, there's your four right there. If you're bringing back Hughes, keeping your three young guys, I very, very highly doubt that the Bills are going to go out and spend any kind of significant resource on an unrestricted free agent defensive end, or maybe if uh, you were one of those people out there looking for a trade for somebody like maybe like a, a Danelle Hunter, someone like that, re-signing Jerry Hughes, to me, takes that off the table. And again, you could do a lot worse. But I will say this, and again, people are right about 
sacks maybe not being the end-all be-all when judging pass rushers. I agree with that. At the same token, I would like to see the Bills have a defensive end who's maybe a little bit better at, at finishing. You know, no, I know Mahomes ran for his life, a lot of pressure, and you know, and still was able to have a lot of success. And at the ultimately, look, well, maybe now Russell Wilson too in Denver, but you got to have guys who can get home. Drives to me and sacks, or I'm I'm sorry, and sacks and drives, you know, to cause turnovers. I would like better than Jerry Hughes if possible. But you also don't want to break the bank on a guy either. So to get Jerry Hughes back one year, 3.5 million, uh, not the worst thing in the world. And then he also has one more guy that ultimately they resigned. And that's a, a wide receiver, but it's not Isaiah McKenzie. It's Jake Kumaro. One year veteran minimum, bring him back. He's worthy of, of camp competition, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so let's get to Unrestricted free agents, there's six of them out there. Joe's got us, uh, or six that Joe has signing. We'll start with the most interesting one, and that's quarterback. And I do agree, look, they're going to get a veteran backup quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky is definitely going to leave, and Brandon Bean knows it, Sean McDermott knows it. He's going to go get starter money, and if he's not locked in as a starter wherever he signs, he'll certainly go into camp having a legitimate chance to win a starting job. Unlike Buffalo. So, and and look, you got Josh Allen. You're not going to draft and develop a young quarterback. And if you do, he's certainly not going to be your number two for 2022. So they're going to sign a veteran. Lots of interesting names out there. And Joe, and this isn't surprising, but he lands on Ryan Fitzpatrick. And he's got Fitzpatrick signing for one year, three point million. I don't really need to sit here and waste time telling you why. Why Fitzpatrick could be a good fit for the Bills on the field, off the field. The dude fucking loves Buffalo. We all know that. It is seemingly a great fit all around. You know, a good guy. He'll, he'll probably be good for Josh Allen in the team meetings, maybe off the field. Great family guy. Loves the city. Could still throw a football, by the way. There's worse backup quarterback options in the NFL. Let's just put it that way. There's only one thing, quite frankly, that scares me about Ryan Fitzpatrick, and it's this. Every team this dude goes to, the starter always gets hurt. It always seems to happen. Mentally, I don't know if I can live with Ryan Fitzpatrick being the backup only because it just scares the shit out of me. His history shows that somehow, some way, he ends up playing because that starter on the team that he's on gets hurt. That scares, that scares the shit out of me. But anyway, Fitzpatrick does seem like a great football fit minus the uh, the history with injuries. A couple other names out there that might attract attention that are certainly notable names. You got Teddy Bridgewater, Andy Dalton. That could be a good fit. Um, you want to go old school, bring back a, a former Bill, Tyrod Taylor. He, he could be out there. Uh, Marcus Mariota. There's lots of options out there for the Bills. And I do think they're going to sign a guy who at one point was a starter and, and somebody that most fans, even the casual fan, is pretty familiar with. Um, all right, so then he's got cornerback. He's got the Bills signing Joe Hayden to a one-year, $2 million deal. All right, look, I'm not going to try to pretend I know a lot about what's happened in Joe Hayden's career. I just know if you're signing a guy like him for one year and $2 million, either it's a big-time prove-it deal or the dude's play has fallen off. So... 
I don't know, read Joe's article, talk to, to an al- uh, other analysts out there and they'll tell you about them. I agree with the principle of getting a veteran quarterback or cornerback, I should say, especially if Levi Wallace is gone. And in this case, obviously, we already went through uh, re-signed free agents. So Levi Wallace is going somewhere else. You have Trey White coming back at some point, but you don't know exactly when. You got Dane Jackson. I think this is going to be a position where the Bills use a resource both in free agency and very, very early in the draft, probably like in the first round. But anyway, he's got Dane Jackson going to Buffalo one year, $2 million. Um, a tight end, a former Tampa Bay Buccaneer tight end. However, it's not Gronk. It's OJ Howard, one year, $1.5 million. You know what? I will read the excerpt that uh, Joe wrote about OJ Howard here. It says the Bills badly need better tight end depth than what they had in 2021. And at 27, Howard needs a career reset and a potential opportunity to shine in a prolific passing offense. Howard is a good blocker and provides more value as a pass catcher than Tommy Sweeney. Should anything happen to Senator Dawson Knox, Howard would be a far better option to assume those starting snaps. And if Howard gets that chance, it could lead to a significant payday the next offseason. Howard would be a low-risk, high-reward, free-agency move Bean has become known for as general manager. I read that excerpt because that is absolutely spot on. Look, we talk about needs on this team all the time, and we'll talk defensive end, we'll talk corner, we know about backup quarter or quarterback. They can use another receiver. Upgrading Tommy Sweeney is a very, very big priority. The Bills completely and utterly lost faith in Tommy Sweeney last year. Missing blocks, missing assignments, dropping passes. This team has Dawson Knox and nothing at tight end. Now, for what it's worth, Tim Graham reported a week ago that he was hearing buzz at the Combine that the Bills are indeed interested in Rob Gronkowski. I 100% believe that, and I do think if he doesn't retire and if Tom Brady's not coming back to Tampa, I think there's a very, very real chance that Gronk could end up in Buffalo. And it's not so much him supplanting Dawson Knox as the number one tight end. It's shoring up that position. I think it's a position that needs shoring up. Now, O.J. Howard is a significantly uh, cheaper prospect, so to speak, than Gronk one year, $1.5 million. And probably more realistic. Not as exciting, but I kind of like that move. All right, moving on. Running back Jeff Wilson. Uh, he's got him joining one year minimum deal, $1.035 million. You know, I'm not really going to get into it. Blah, blah, blah. Basically, competition for, for Singletary and Moss, kind of like Matt Breida was last year. Kind of more like a short yardage guy, like Zach Moss type. So I, I, I would think that would be to push uh, Zach Moss. I personally don't love that. If the Bills are going to spend a little bit of money, a little bit of cake on a running back, a veteran to bring into the room, uh, Philip Lindsay, I think is a better option. Duke Johnson coming out of the backfield, catching passes, a better option. Jarek McKinnon, who looked really good with Kansas City at the end of the year, good option. J.D. McKissick, a very, very good pass catching running back. We talked about him as a potential Bills target a year ago in free agency. You want to talk about somebody different, somebody who could come out of the backfield and catch the ball? I mean, he's, he's probably, not probably, he is way better than Singletary or Moss when it comes to that. So I would be pretty happy to see any of those guys sign, especially McKissick before uh, Jeff Wilson. Um, wide receiver, he's got two more uh, additions here. Wide receiver, I thought this was interesting. Adam Humphreys, a name that I really don't think about. One year, $1.035 million. Um, Joe writes about, you know, the Bills getting rid of Beasley. And if they're not bringing back... Uh, 
McKenzie. There's clearly going to be a hole at receiver to fill. Um, Humphreys is entering his age 29 season. It always felt to me like he he's older than that. And he does write, Joe writes about it. a couple of years ago. A lot of people don't remember this now, but dude had 76 catches a couple of years ago with Tampa Bay. So he still may have some, uh, some game left in him, man. And he's a pretty, he was a pretty good receiver. I don't think he's as good as Cole Beasley in the slot, but you could do worse than Adam Humphreys. I, I wouldn't hate that move. Plus signing him a, a contract like that, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't preclude you from going out and maybe swinging a, a trade for somebody or signing another receiver, or it certainly doesn't stop you from using an early draft pick on a receiver. I wouldn't hate that. And then last move is uh, Connor McDermott. That name might sound familiar because he was on the Bills practice squad before. Um, he was, or was it 2019 or something like that? One year, 1.035 million, just depth. That, that's all he is. That's all he would be. You got Dawkins, you got Spencer Brown, you got Doyle pretty much locked in as your third tackle, and, and then you'll bring Connor McDermott. Just that's purely a, a death move. So at the end, he's got you moving on. Joe's got us moving on from Mr. Trubisky, Wallace, McKenzie. That surprises me a little bit with McKenzie. Addison, Obata, and, and Vernon Butler. So that's his um his mock offseason going into the draft. I will say this with the draft, and I'm not going to go through, I'm not even going to name the players that he picked because, again, A, go read it, and B, quite frankly, at this stage anyway, I don't know enough about these prospects to really have any kind of opinion. But what I will tell you is that with Joe's mock draft, and of course, in typical Joe B style, he did a seven round, a full seven round draft. And he's got, uh, he actually had the Bills trading down with Denver from 25, which, you know, he only put this out at the beginning of the week. And this is already dead when it comes to that, only because Denver isn't going to have that 25th pick because they just acquired Russ Wilson. So that would be Seattle who would have that. But anyway, let's just pretend it's Seattle for fun. Um, Joe has a trade down from 25 all the way down to 40. And uh, he would get the 40th, which is the second round pick, and also a third round pick. That would leave the Bills with no first round pick, but with two seconds and two thirds. I will tell you that Joe took a cornerback in round two, and then he took a wide receiver with the second pick in the of the second round, the one that the Bills own. So you got corner, you got receiver. He went interior off as a line with the first pick of round three, and then a linebacker late in uh round three as well. All right, quickly here, I'll say this. This is a very realistic offseason for the Buffalo Bills. And that's what Joe does, man. Joe's not one of those guys who's going to uh, just come up with something strictly for effect, just for, you know, because it's more dramatical. You know, he could have said the Bills are going to trade for this superstar. They're going to sign Shaq Barrett or they're going to trade for Denell Hunter or they're going to trade for DK Metcalf. Don't get me wrong, maybe they do. I'm just saying this offseason, mock offseason from Joe Biscaglia just felt very realistic. If this were to be the case, and let's just pretend it was, it's uneventful. It looks to me like an offseason that says, your general manager is saying, I already think we are a championship team. I don't think we need to jeopardize future seasons with cap, the salary cap. I don't think we need to make a lot of big, bold moves. I think we already are a championship team. Let's just uh, 
We're going to keep some key pieces. We're keeping our defensive tackle. We're keeping our left guard. Um, we're bringing back Jerry Hughes for one more year. We've tendered Ryan Bates. Uh, we, we got rid of a little bit of dead weight. And then we kind of just replenished in free agency. With this, with these signings in free agency, there's nobody out there. You know, this is just about replenishing the depth. I mean, maybe Joe Hayden is a short-term starter anyway. Um, I, I do like the, I, I'll tell you, of all the moves, I, I like the O.J. Howard one the most. That one definitely intrigues me the most. But there's nothing spectacular about this. You know, there's nothing stupendous about this Joe Biscaglia mock-off season. I could just say that it feels really very uh, realistic. Um, one, one last thing too, and this is my own thought here. I, I don't like it. <laughs> I love Joe. I love his work. Again, there's nobody out there who covers the Buffalo Bills. Nobody who covers the Buffalo Bills that I like and respect more than Joe Biscaglia. He's elite when it comes to his Buffalo Bills coverage. Nobody does it better. Don't mean I got to agree with all this shit. And don't mean I got to like it. Which, by the way, this is Joe. This is his version of the offseason. I'm sure this isn't what Joe would like personally for the Bills to do. This is probably how he thinks things play out. I don't like it. And here's why I don't like it. I think the Bills right now need to be, if not in complete LA Rams mode, damn near close to it, man. Damn near close to it. I know that this team is going to be a contender for years to come as long as Josh Allen is healthy and playing at the level that we're seeing now. I know that. But that said, the AFC is freaking loaded. It already was loaded. And now you got Russell Wilson going to Denver. That AFC East or West, I mean, is going to be nuts. Lamar Jackson is going to be back. The Bengals, maybe they're not the best team in the AFC, but hey, they did just go to the Super Bowl. Uh, Pittsburgh's probably, whatever they do at quarterbacks, probably going to be better than the 2021 version they had of Big Ben Brosberger. Uh, New England made the playoffs last year. I think Miami's a talented team. The AFC is just a very deep and talented conference right now. And you're never, never going to get a better opportunity or have an opportunity handed to you to go to a Super Bowl more than the Bills just did a month or two ago. It was there. And Sean McDermott, I'm sorry, man, he blew it. And I'm not going to get into this whole Sean McDermott's good coach, bad coach. We'll save that for future episodes. But there's no denying it. The coach blew the game in the last 13 seconds between the kick and two defensive calls. And you had a home date with the Cincinnati Bengals in front of you to get to a Super Bowl. That It was there. It's not going to get easier than that. That's not to say the Bills can't go to the Super Bowl. Hell, the Bills might go to the next four Super Bowls, just like they did in the late 80s, early 90s. That could happen. They got the team to do it. There's no question about it, but it's never going to be easier. It's never going to be more handed to you than it just was. And I think right now, the Bills need to be aggressive. I want to I wanna read a tweet from my man, Nate Gary from WGR, because I, I think his tweet summarizes how I feel perfectly. He says, this is not the time to play a conservative. The Bills should be using every avenue at their disposal to add high-end starters. This is not the time to sit back and worry about the 2029 20, salary cap. It's go time. Couldn't agree more. I could not agree with Nate more. 
Um, you know, it doesn't have to be at every single position. You're not going to be able to make a big splash move at every position. But I'll tell you right now, I want another dangerous receiver. If you're losing Beasley, you're not bringing back McKenzie. That's fine. Go get me a good, good receiver to play with Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs. Keep the cupboard of Josh Allen weapons heavy. Keep them heavy. Go get a running back too. And again, it don't got to be a big splashy name. I ain't trying to trade for Christian McCaffrey. I don't want him. Okay. And I also don't even need Saquon Barkley. Although I think the price for Barkley is far uh, less than it would be for McCaffrey. He has one year left on a deal. The compensation you get back for Barkley would be less. I wouldn't hate that, but I don't even need him. Again, go get me a J.D. McKissick, a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. But go get me a really good shutdown corner for this defense or go get me a Donnell Hunter or Shaq Barrett, a defensive end, a game-wrecking defensive end, a guy who could take over a game at times. I want that. I want that. Go get me another skill position weapon guy on the offense who can impact games and go get me one on the defensive line as well. I think this is the time for the Bills to be aggressive. If it costs you that first, you know, Joe has the Bills training down and accumulating more draft picks. I'm of the opposite mindset. If I can use pick 25 and you could go get me, uh, you know, that and something else and go get me a DK Metcalf, I'm doing that shit. Or Danelle Hunter on the other side of the ball, I'm doing that shit. I'm giving up that pick. It's time. It's time to do it now. That's my take on it. Uh, anyway, and again, we'll talk. We got a whole offseason to talk about that. Well, the free agency does start in a week, so we'll start to learn what the Bills plan is going to be very, very soon. But again, excellent article from uh, from Joe Biscali at The Athletic. Make sure you go check it out. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It was really well-written, uh, well-structured, a lot of fun. All right, Calvin Ridley, uh, a one-year suspension for gambling. He got caught with I, I, some parlays. I don't know. I don't have all the information in front of me, but bottom line is this. Your man got a one-year suspension from the NFL, and he's forfeiting $11.16 million in salary. Betting on games, according to him, he bet $1,500 worth of games is going to cost him $11.16 million in salary. I guess findings so far that have come out is that he bet on parlays while he was away from the team. He wasn't with the team at the time. And some of the games did include the the Falcons, the team he plays for, although he wasn't playing. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who, who think this suspension is too harsh and they're comparing it to a lot of domestic violence cases, you know, cases like Ray Rice, who ultimately got two games for what he did. And, and Adrian Peterson, who, who had got six for when that happened with him. And Zeke Elliott got six. Here's my take on this, folks. Don't compare them. You can't. There is no place in this league, none, zero, for domestic violence. I know that. You know that. And if your take on this is, well, Ridley's getting screwed. These guys got off too easy. I'm with that. I'm with the second part of that anyway. The suspensions for, for Rice and for Peterson and Zeke and other guys that have gotten caught in domestic violence situations, the suspension should have been way fucking harsher. There's no place for that in society, let alone the NFL. I'm not 
taking that. I'm not defending that. I'm, I'm not taking away from the severity of it. You're absolutely right. The, 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 the punishment should have been way, way, way worse. In a lot of cases, I agree with you. I'm, I'm with you on that, but don't compare them, man, because they're separate things and there, there's a big difference. There's a big difference. And here is that difference. You know, acts of, of ignorance and acts of, of stupidity, acts, acts of rage, such as the case like with Adrian Peterson or, or Ray Rice. That's, that's a black eye, not just on them and on their team. It's a black eye in the league. And again, I got to say this again. I think guys have gotten off way too easy for my liking. Okay? I'm with you on that. But again, that's a, a black eye on that guy, on the player, maybe the team, and to a smaller extent, the league. Players gambling, on the other hand, that, that could literally, quite literally, that could bring a whole league down. Again, man, if you see a, a Ray Rice or a, or a Kareem Hunt video out there, which we did, and seeing what happened on video, what happened to those women, what they did, you're like, I can't believe that piece of shit is out there playing in the NFL and still making millions of dollars. I get it, man. You're right. I get it. But if you get players, uh, not retired players, not former players, active players betting on games in the sport that they play in, that is an entirely new level, man. That could bring a whole league down. Again, you watch Ray Rice run the football or you watch Kareem Hunt or AP years later, whether they learn from their mistakes or not, you want to say they're violent pieces of shit. You're right. I hear you, man. I agree. But you're like, that guy is a piece of shit. Okay? Right now, you start having a problem where players are betting on games in the same league that they play in. And in this case with Calvin Ridley, whether he was with the team or not, betting on games that involved his team, you can't do that, man. It can't happen. Because again, you're, you're talking about single players who committed gross, egregious acts of violence on women or children or other men. Don't matter. It violence, it's violent. No matter what way you look at it. No place in it for the game. I agree with you, man. But now, gambling. People are going to watch these games. And what's going to happen? People are going to become even more convinced that everything is rigged because of gambling. Everything you're watching, every game, it's rigged because of gambling. People are going to start being more convinced of that. If they're not already. If they're not already. And there's people out there, I know some people personally, who think that every game is rigged. They think it's some kind of big conspiracy theory out there. A lot of these games that we're watching, some of the calls you see, some of the things that happen, the way it unfolds, they're conspiracies. You know how those people are. Well, this, people being caught gambling on games, gives a lot of credibility to the theory of, of games being rigged, games being fixed 
point shaven. I mean, you're going to get a complex. These games are fixed or that there's point shaving going on by players. Um, that's what you get when you have players that are, especially players that are still active in the NFL that are betting on NFL games. It just, it can happen. Think about this. Last point here for, for the rest of Relvin or uh, Kevin Ridley's career. What are you going to say? And be honest with yourself here. You're watching an Atlanta Falcons game. Let's say he's on your fantasy team. Or let's say you, who ain't in the NFL, who can bet all you want on games. Let's say you're betting on whatever team he plays on two years from now, whatever it may be, whatever team that may be. What are you going to say? Or if you're on your phone, you're tweeting, what are you going to tweet when Calvin really drops a, a very catchable pass? What are you going to say or tweet if he drops a pass, especially when it seems like it's in a big moment, you just, you know what you're going to say. You know what you're going to tweet. You know what you're going to think. You just, you can't have it in the NFL, man. You can't have it. And yeah, look, the Calvin Ridley suspension, it's harsh as hell. He's losing $11 million. $11 million. That's crazy. But. You have to set that precedent. You have to do it. You just, you can't have players. You can't have coaches. You can't have active NFL team personnel gambling on NFL games. You just, you can't do it. And as fucked up and as harsh as a suspension is, players will think twice. They have to. How could you not think twice right now knowing you literally can lose millions of dollars if you're getting caught gambling. That is a detriment to any player out there right now who has seen what happened to Kelvin Ridley to you better not gamble because this is going to be the consequence. And again, for the 19th time now, don't compare domestic violence cases to this because I'm with you, man. The domestic uh, violence cases, the, the punishment should have been way harsher. Agreed. Throw the guy out of the league for good. You might, maybe somebody in a, a fit of rage might think twice about striking an innocent woman next time. I agree with you, man. I agree. But these are just two separate things and I don't feel comfortable. I don't think they should be compared. Simple as that. And I know the NFL is in bed now with all these multiple gaming sites and I hate it. I fucking absolutely hate it. I hate how gambling sites are dominating media websites as well that cover football. I mean, Christ, go to the Buffalo News website right now. You'll see DraftKings shit all over the place. I hate it. You even see, if you scroll down like the list of, uh, of news posts, there's literally a post or two that's an ad for a gambling site. It's not even a real football post. It's not even a real news article. It's a post. There's a, it's an ad for gambling. I hate it. I hate it. I, I mean, I hate it. I do. I understand. I understand the Ridley punishment. I know that's not a popular opinion, but I think it's. I think it was the right move. You have to. And as far as um, you know, the alleged Stephen Ross of Miami paying Flores to lose games in Miami, I don't know if uh, I don't know if that'll ever be proven is true. And I do think it needs to be proven. It can't just be a coach, a, potentially a uh, a bitter coach with maybe a personal axe to grind. I don't know. You you don't know either. So that that's speculation. But if it ever comes out. If they can ever prove that that was true, 
You can bet your ass the NFL is going to kick Ross out of the league. They'll, they'll, they'll force him to sell that team because you just, you can't gamble in the sport. You're playing Ask Pete Rose in baseball. Ask Pete Rose in baseball. Last point too, by the way, what the fuck was Calvin Ridley thinking? I mean, you're an NFL player. If you're sick, physically hurt, mental problems because he did step away from the team. Uh, if you're going to bet, dude, get one of your boys, man. Get one of your boys. Put money in their account. You want to have some fun? You want to bet on some games? Don't do it under your account. Don't set up an account with DraftKings or whatever the hell you were betting on. What the hell are you thinking, man? Get someone to do that shit for you. You're rich. Buy, buy somebody a phone and take it and just use their account to bet on, man. Holy shit, that's, uh, that's, that's crazy. Uh, speaking of crazy, by the way, so Aaron Rodgers resigns with Green Bay, richest deal ever. Hate, hate Aaron Rodgers. Good, go rack up some regular season MVPs and then be very pedestrian in the playoffs and, and lose at home. Because that's what's going to happen with the Packers for now, probably through eternity, as long as Aaron Rodgers is there. By the way, Aaron Rodgers gets $200 million, $153 million guaranteed. Devontae Adams is the biggest reason why Aaron, Aaron Rodgers has been what he's been over the last, what, four or five years and just keeps slapping a, a fucking one-year franchise tag on Devontae Adams. It's, it, it's just ridiculous. Russell Wilson going to Seattle, uh, going from Seattle to Denver. That's big, man. The AFC, God damn, is the AFC loaded. Derek Carr is a pretty damn good quarterback, and he is by a million miles the worst quarterback in his own division. The Raiders are a good team. They made the playoffs last year. They are probably now the worst team in their division. The Denver Broncos have a lot of good young football talent. Russell Wilson, man, if he's not washed, and maybe Seattle knows more than we do. Maybe he's just washed. I mean, he's not, he's 33 years old. It's not like that's that old. Maybe he's washed. He, if he's not washed, Jesus, the AFC just got a lot better, man. And again, you know Pittsburgh is going to do something to upgrade their quarterback position. AFC is going to be crazy. Uh, anyway, all right, that is going to do it for this episode. It did go a little bit longer than I thought. That's what happens when I start talking about uh, Joe V stuff, man. I could just go on forever. Guy's so good. And again, I'll put a link to his article one more time uh, in the show notes. Thank you very, very much as always listening i will be back with a uh casual friday episode like normal on friday i'm gonna be honest with you guys out there i i, I don't know if joe yurden is gonna be back yet um if you missed the last couple episodes sadly very sadly joe's mom passed away last week um fighting a very uh courageous fight against a very rare form of blood cancer but anyway joe's uh spending some time with his family getting some family affairs in order and obviously grieving we all love joe man i miss you buddy i hope i hope you're doing well and you'll be back when you're back you know when you're ready to uh talk some sports and shit like that uh, i can't wait for you to be back but anyway in joe's absence I, I got a couple uh backup people ready to go so there will be a casual friday thank you very much for listening and again uh talk to you guys soon
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.